You know the dangerous thing about this, Frankie, is you're right. going to have recording material that you can play on the loop on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. What's going to happen is we're not going to be able to record that. Is that Frank Oh, no. Welcome to Flipping Off, a purpose-driven podcast about flipping houses and making a difference. Well, hello, everyone. This is Oscar Solaris once again, joining you guys on the Flipping Off podcast. And today, we've got some of the usual suspects. we got Christian Rios. You can say hi. Hey, guys. It's hey, Christian Rios. <laughs> I got uh, Frank Luna, Frank uh, the Tank. Uh, good, good morning, good afternoon, good night, whenever you're listening to it. Hello. Hello is good, yeah. And Tim Wilkinson. Hello. I've got Kevin back there on the cameras. Yell, Kevin. Hey. 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 Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mentioned his name last uh, podcast, Dr. Nathan Iverson. So we were able to pull some strings, and uh, we actually had to f- drag him here, right? <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> I had to drag him here. But, <clears throat> yeah, there's, like, scrape marks on the concrete when we were dragging him, dragging him out of CBU. But, uh it's all good. No, thanks for joining us, Dr. Iverson. Uh, and I'm not going to uh, give details behind your, your schooling and everything else that you do, but I'd just love for you to just kind of give us a, a quick intro so people out there hear who you are, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So uh, like Oscar said, Dr. Nathan Iverson, I direct a graduate program in industrial organizational psychology at California Baptist University. And I've had the pleasure of working with New Wealth over the last few months here as they're looking to scale global, look, asking the question of what does it look like to be world-class and step into that role of being world-class leaders. So my consulting company, Momentum Coaching and Consulting, we've been working, we started off with a three-day retreat, and now it's meeting with these guys on a weekly basis, helping to do some of the launches in, in Hawaii and even looking for their future. What does it look like to be world-class? Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty good. That's a good elevator pitch, man. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. So um, the reason we invited Dr. Iverson over uh, to be on this podcast, we talked at last uh, podcast about <clears throat> what it takes to stay in and what that looks like, right? There's, you can call it grit. You can call it being driven. You can call it all these different things. But ultimately, it really goes back to taking action yep. and then having a plan, right? Uh, and one of the things that we discovered in, in working with Dr. Iverson is that there's a lot of science behind what we do, mm-hmm. and we had no clue that there was a lot of science behind what yeah. we do, which is interesting that it was inherent to us to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Dr. Ivers was like, hey, that's like really – there's proof here, and there's proof here totally. of what you guys are doing, right? So if you could just maybe um, – let's talk a little bit about the the challenges we as a group have faced in taking action mm-hmm. and then I'd bring in some that. science behind that. And, and Okay, cool. So who wants to start uh, throwing all the dirty laundry out there? They all look at each other kind of weird. I didn't know we were going there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and twist. I went first last time, so I'm going to volunteer Christian. Oh, watch out. Wait, he voluntold you last time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right back at you. So um, I'm going to pull a Tim. Repeat the question. <laughs> <laughs> so just to kick things off, I just want to get some feedback on you guys. Uh, maybe some of the struggles that you faced mm-hmm. in actually taking action. And then Dr. Iverson will chime in with uh, different outtakes of what he hears from us. And really, it's, it's about uh, helping other people understand that the community works for a reason. Mm-hmm. What we do and how we do it obviously works for a reason because we already talked about their science behind it. And then ultimately, it's how do they start making the right choices right. To, to do the right things, right? Mm-hmm. So Sure. So, so for me, um, and this is really recent. I'm going to talk really recent because this is one you've been – 
uh, really helping us grow and develop. And for me, stepping into a new role in the leadership of the club and being, you know, part of the enrollment process for new club members, for me, it's almost been a little bit of an identity shift that I've been going back and forth with, which ties back to really the conversation of last week. It's like, I know I'm an investor. I know, you know, I have a successful business, but now I'm almost changing my identity to helping others lead and leading through people too, which I still go back to. And I think the more you grow, you're always going to probably go back to that too, where it's Mm -hmm. like, am I good enough? Am I, you know, willing to fit into those shoes? So for me, I would say that's something that um, recently I've, I've struggled with and, um, at the end of the day, I know that I'm capable of it, but it's a new skill set that I'm having to develop. Um, so I don't know if if that kind of makes sense. If I'm throwing it. it out there, yeah, it does absolutely. Because <clears throat> so, and what he's what Christian is talking about, right, is the recent uh, role that he's taken on as the director of enrollment mm-hmm. for the club, which really means that his role uh, touches, affects, impacts a lot of lives. So it's not, and then I get why he he's like, wow, this is like a big paradigm mm-hmm. shift, right? Because of the the responsibility that's that's been placed on him. So, yeah. And what I hear Christian sharing then is this idea in psychology we call it self-efficacy, and self-efficacy is our belief in our ability to succeed. A lot of us have when we go into new situations, new job titles, we have this imposter syndrome. For me, it was going to grad school. Like I would basically finish by the time I. All the way through, like three, four years, I was saying, when are they going to figure out I'm not smart enough and they'll kick me out? Because mm. I'm like, I grew up on a farm in rural America working with my shirt off all summer. Like, I'm just a campesino in my mind, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, for me, it was like, I finally finished. I'm like, oh, wow, they're not going to kick me out. Maybe I, <laughs> like, so for me, I didn't even, I couldn't uh, identify myself as being worthy of the position I was holding. Mm. But fortunately, there's a science behind that. How can we convince ourselves of our ability to succeed in any given situation or title? And Albert Bandura, one of my favorite researchers, describes three ways to do that. And he says there are experiences, mentors and role models, and verbal persuasion. So we cover this a lot with the club, and I had the honor of teaching this last weekend at the RPP. But the experiences. So, you know, for in coaching then and working with people, Something, you know, Christian and I have talked about is as he succeeds in these roles, he convinces himself. All he has to do is look at his actions, see the outcomes of the growth of the club in his position. And then that can help convince yourself, oh, maybe I am the kind of person that can do incredible things. Mm -hmm. And then the second is mentors and role models looking to this team here, looking around and being like, okay, maybe if someone like these guys can do incredible things, maybe I'm also capable of that. Mm -hmm. And then the third is verbal persuasion and we talk a lot about that. It's the free one. It takes like no effort. Mm. That's when people have perceived authority. So in this, in your org chart, that's Oscar and Melina speak, choosing to speak potential as they do to you of, no, you're made for this. You're designed for incredible things. There's a reason we chose you for the title. You're leading, leading the team often and in meeting people and bringing new people in. Yes, you are so equipped for this. Mm. And those three together really can help to shape our identity to say, maybe I am the kind of person that can do this. And then that, that boosts our performance, that boosts our identity. Right. I love that. And, and you can't mess it up, yes. by the way. Yes. <laughs> but we love saying that. Like, what if you can't mess it up? Yeah. You can. <laughs> right? Because the cool thing is that right now we're at a stage where we're writing this whole thing. Yeah. 
Mm. Right. So we're defining what, what all this looks like. And mm-hmm. so when you said imposter syndrome, right, I immediately looked at we had this moment, Tim. <laughs> Not that kind of moment, but we had a moment right? <laughs> <laughs> where, where you looked at me like, oh, he, I remember know. that. And, and right. then I was like, oh, yeah, I remember when you really dealt with that. Mm. And, and I think to a certain extent, you still continue to, to deal with that, right? The imposter syndrome? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like every time that I try to take on something different and new, uh, even inside of this organization and even inside of um, real estate – Every time we get into a new transaction or something like that, I still feel that sense of, hmm. am I, can I handle this? Right? There's all, I always have that fear of, am I really who they think I am? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And it shows up differently for all of us. Totally. <clears throat> right? For you, it's that. For me, it's, it's almost paralyzing. Wow. When it's something new yeah. that I'm not used to doing or just not familiar with, I procrastinate the crap out of it. Right? <laughs> Because I'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. I got to research. Uh, I make all these things up, right, of, of getting there. So it's, it's very similar in a way. It just shows up differently. Yeah. I can share that for me there was a – it used to paralyze me. And then I realized that it was um, – I started realizing that it didn't have to paralyze me. You know, I, I kind of share this sometimes. But uh, public speaking was always one of those things. You know, the fear of, first of all, do I deserve to be up there? Um, And am I going to do it wrong? Am I going to mess it up? All of that stuff would literally would freeze me, like to the point where I couldn't even speak. And then I saw uh, somebody that I look up to getting ready to go on stage, and I watched him come in, and he was um, visually shaking. He had a layer of sweat on him. And I'm like, dude, what's going on? And he said, well... I'm jumping out of my skin right now. Mm. And I was like, what What are you talking about, man? I've watched you do this presentation 50 times. And he said, oh, it's like that for me every single time. But wow. when I get up there 30 seconds into it, I'll be fine. Wow. And then I watched him just take what I saw on him as the, everything that I feel inside myself that allowed me to just freeze. I watched him just do it anyway. And that was a big moment for me. Because I realized that I didn't have to be stuck. Now, that's not to say that all of a sudden I could just jump on stage. Mm-hmm. It just freed me to take that next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's – yeah, and, and I, I got to see that evolution, right? So it was, it was interesting because when, when he talks about being paralyzed mm-hmm. – so when I say I, I get paralyzed, it's, it's mentally, right? I just – I might avoid it. Mm-hmm. His was like literally <laughs> right? physiological – paralysis wow. where they hand him the mic and he's done he's frozen and now we can't keep him off the mic but it's a whole different conversation <clears throat> now you can't shut this guy up <laughs> <laughs> right but and then just to tie it all back in right it, we're all everything we're talking about right now is really about what does it take to break through those barriers mm. to take action yes right to actually continue to move forward i know frank you've had your struggles and challenges with with that as well where you kind of get frozen in your tracks if you will yeah i've been I, i've i've gotten stuck and um, I have to just kind of look at it and say a lot of the, you know, pers- you know having four children, um, a lot of the situation where I got stuck, that c- coupled with having situations with business, uh, getting, seemed like really big and getting even over, almost overwhelming and magnified. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, it's really been going to my mentors and, mm-hmm. and I've never been good at that. You mean I, reaching out for help? 
I've never been good at reaching out for help. I've only gotten better at it because I had to. Um, and I think situations, um, you know, and, and challenges that I wanted to just figure out myself and, you know, I'm okay, I got it. Um, definitely, I'm, what is that word? Dave used to say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm that, I got this guy, or whatever, <laughs> I got this. Yeah. And um, to the most part, I've always been like that. And that is going to leave you at a point where you're plateauing constantly because you're not willing to reach out for help. So I would say um, all the situations where I got stuck just led me to the point where I realized I have to start reaching out, have to be, because I'm, I'm, I'm at a plateau because I'm not willing to reach out for help or I was unable to. That's where I get frozen. I know I need to reach out for help, huh. and I didn't know how. Yeah. So oh, breaking through that, I mean, that was like in the last couple of years I broke through that. Huge. So since doing that, I've realized so many different uh, blind spots that I've had that I didn't – Could you couldn't have told me that there was uh, whatever that blind spot was, and many of them, because of my inability to reach out and try and get help, counseling – you know, whatever that conversation is going to be, not being open to it, not willing to, um, you know, say, not willing to admit that I, I, I needed help, whether it be ego, pride, or whatever. But um, I'm glad that I went through all of those things that brought me to the point, like a breaking point of I need help and I have to stop pretending that I got this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that, that for me is coachable and trainable, right? You have to be willing to to take that on and, and be willing to be open and transparent. And so for the folks out there listening, you're looking to get into this business of real estate investing. Yeah. There's a ton of obstacles. Right? Let's yeah. keep it real. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of obstacles, but 99% of them are you. Yeah. Right. Right. And how you work through that has a lot to do with who you relate with, who you associate with. Mm-hmm. And then the willingness to be open and coachable and, and, and do those things. Do you find that to be any, any science behind that, that? Yeah. And I think some, I love, for me, I look at how do you discover truth, right? And there's multiple ways. One is through science. One is through just looking at the world and connecting with people. And when they coincide and both confirm each other, it's, there's no surprise, right? Uh, because we get to discover the world through multiple avenues. So yes, to have, that paralysis, that's normal. When any goal seems insurmountable, like why try? Particularly if it might hurt our ego, mm-hmm. right? Then it'd be self-defeating. Uh, what's really exciting though is when we shift failures to like make, making us less to failures is awesome <laughs> or failures is a good thing on uh, something for growth. Carol, uh, Carol Dweck is the author on this. She has a book called Mindset. Got to plug that. And on the book Mindset, she talks about flipping this of what if you can't mess up? What if failures are actually your fuel, your gasoline for moving forward? And most of us were not raised that way, right? Like I think I've been able to switch over to this mindset in most areas of my life. But for me, when I play basketball, I'm still in that performance mindset of like, I miss a layup, I am ticked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, and it like hurts my identity. And I'm like, who am I? I can't even make a layup. <laughs> and I'm horrible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that's, that's self-defeating. That's not helpful. Rather, you know, if I can switch it over and be like, okay, I missed the layup. What an opportunity to grow and increase my percentage next game, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Famous words, right? It's an opportunity for growth. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But that's not the way most of us came. Like, 
So it takes a lot of intentional growth, like Frank was saying, of going to mentors, <laughs> counselors, whoever, to help us shift that mindset of failure is growth. And it's society's most successful people that got that, that secret. Mm. You know, you go throughout history. It's Michael Jordan who got cut from his high school and college team. Mm. It's, you know, Disney that was told, Walt Disney was told he had no creative genius. Mm. All these people that win the game in the world are the ones that fail and they reframe failure to success. So, so <clears throat> is there an average time that it takes to achieve that? Is there, what, what does that look like? So I can t say with my students when they come in and I, I tell them a hundred, when they come in and they're like, they, they're kind of down on themselves often. I teach grad students. And they come in, they're down on themselves and be like, I don't know, I'm not a good public speaker. I'm not getting this stuff. And I, I like you know, take a breath with them so we can re just be reset and be a little less frantic. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the first step, like calm down. <laughs> but that doesn't work if you tell them that. So just modeling, take a breath. <laughs> uh, and then... I, I invite them and because it's not fun when people force us into things. So I said, would you be open to taking a challenge? Mm. And then, you know, let them think about that. Okay, yeah, I'm open to it. I'd like to challenge you to something pretty crazy. Okay. Well, would you be open to failing a hundred times? Because that's what it'll take. And then for them, it's often it's just like, like monumental moment that mm. they don't know what to do with this. God, fail a hundred times. Mm. And then they start doing it. And these students that start doing it within a month, like they're getting job offers because <laughs> they, they're meeting everyone. Mm. They're asking whoever they want out for coffee because you can't mess up anymore. Mm. They're going on LinkedIn and DMing people that their dream job positions and asking them for a phone call, coffee. The rules change. There's no rules anymore. And it's these people, they're getting like multiple promotions a year once they get this idea. Hi, this is Christian Rios. As many of you know, I've been a member of New Wealth Advisors Club for over seven years and got started when I was 17 years old with absolutely no real estate experience. One of the biggest lessons I have learned from being in the industry is the need for authentic relationships. If you're looking for an actual team locally in Southern California with all the resources needed to close deals, register for one of our free workshops by visiting www.joinnwac.com. Thanks for listening to the Flipping Off podcast. That, that's interesting because I remember, uh, <clears throat> so tying it into what we do, mm. right? I remember Dave used to tell people, what if I paid you for every no you got? Yes, right? Yes. What if I paid you 100 bucks for every no? Yeah. What would that look like, right? So same thing. It's You're going to fail and it's okay, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the better you get at it, then the success starts to, to pour in. So interesting, huh, guys? Right. Yeah. You, for yeah, go ahead. You guys lived that out really well. There was a moment in Hawaii that we were we were there, and Oscar was sharing with the people in Hawaii how many flips, you know, how how much he, he was able to make last year. It was a significant amount. And from that, I for, forget who it was that was one of you guys said that did the math. Was that Tim yeah. that you oh, did yeah. the math? And he actually did the math, and they did the math to figure out how many door knocks Oscar did. And then how much he made, it was like 300 bucks per door knock or something. I think so. <laughs> if you did the math of how much Oscar made last year, divided by door knocks, and Oscar hustled. And yeah. like thousands of door knocks or something. <laughs> and then once you, and him led in a really great way then of saying, reframing that failure of an unsuccessful door knock to say, no, that's a ticket mm. to the close. 
It's to the next step. Then yeah. the next step. Then I love it. Step. You guys are already doing that. We're scientists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious for even like the club members that are listening to this, or or maybe not even cl- current club members, but club members that have quit in the past. Mm-hmm. A lot of them probably never even knocked a hundred doors or spoke to a hundred sellers, and that should be maybe <laughs> something we should do from the front of the wow. room. Challenge wow. people. Once you have a hundred, once you have a hundred door knocks under your belt, your conversation automatically is going to look a lot different, and does, totally. it doesn't even mean that you're going to have a deal from knocking a hundred doors, but you're going to have that experience to just get get you so much closer. So, I like putting a number to it because it yeah. gives people a goal, mm-hmm. and don't expect anything with those hundred doors. Chances are you probably will get a good lead out of it, but. Uh, just do the results and focus on that. Don't do it. So for you guys, it's like, don't come to us and complain. It's not working until you got 100 failures. Right. Mm. Then we can have a coaching conversation. Right. Mm. <laughs> Wait. <clears throat> and then you have to come to us, though. Because mm. then you'll end up with somebody like um, Frank and I are kind of this, similar in this way, which is we, have, we struggle with reaching out for help. Mm. So we'll tend to live in this mindset of uh, practice makes perfect, but that's not necessarily true. It's perfect practice that that makes perfect. So you can go out and knock two thousand doors, but if you do it wrong, mm. you know, with bad, mm. you know, take ten thousand free throws, and if you're doing it with bad technique, you're never going to get any better. You need that coach, and you need to be willing to reach out to somebody who can tweak on your technique a little bit, so that way the next hundred gets you mm. even just two percent better results than the last time, and you're on your way. I love that you brought that up, that feedback part, because feedback, it turns out we, we talk a, uh, about smart goals a lot and we'll, we'll probably unpack that, but it turns out feedback is the secret sauce behind smart goals. Without feedback, you're just bang, you could be banging your head against the wall. Right. doesn't matter how gritty you are. Mm-hmm. If it's the wrong wall, the building isn't coming down. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like using the wrong tools, right? Yeah. So it's, it, 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 it shifts. Do you have something, Frank? <clears throat> yeah, when uh, he was sharing um, about um, that that uh, per- perfect uh, practice, I was thinking um, about the way we psych ourselves out. I guess I don't know how to explain that. Like you, you have these little um, conversations in your head that justify, or um, you know, you get operating from a place where you're coaching yourself in your head and these that's really just justification for your failure Mm -hmm. so um, you go out and you don't count a knock because of whatever happened you know oh that wasn't um, that wasn't you know the actual thing like to the point of there was a student who actually went out and um, there was you know the door knocks how many how many conversations that well I didn't talk to anybody Wait, so you knocked on 100 doors, you didn't talk to him? What did you do? It was like a ding-dong ditch? What are you talking about? <laughs> so, I mean, the feedback, you know, what time of day did you go? Uh, what neighborhood did you go to? Okay, uh, that's not the right neighborhood. Like, those are um, 2006 homes and up. And uh, that I know that neighborhood. Nobody's ever home and they never answer the door. So you need to shift your farm area. Or you're going at 8 o'clock at night. Or you're going at 9 o'clock in the morning, like just analyzing it and then giving them that feedback so that their next hundred doors are, have been gone through a filter. And I just know, I think in my, in my head, how I justify failure 
and or whatever, justify why it's not going to work, those different things. Mm-hmm. So without that feedback, your coaching in your head is always going to justify yourself some way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was just thinking about that. That one student that we talked to, mm-hmm. and we literally, he said, I did it. It doesn't work. Well, well, how many, okay, you knocked on all the, how many conversations? It was like one or none or yeah, something. Yeah, very little conversation. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, when, when I heard you say, Tim, um, taking perfect practice, I was like, man, is that even possible, right? Mm-hmm. Perfect yeah. practice. <clears throat> so then, it, then I went back to uh, things that I've heard in the past, like taking in perfect action, right? right? Taking in perfect action, meaning I'm going to go out and take action. I mean, I know everything. I mean, I know all the answers, but I'm going to go out and do it. And the, the perfect practice is that I'm actually going out and doing it. Right. Right? I'm actually committing and sticking to my plan, which, right, we have to have a plan. If, if, if you don't have a plan in this business, you're – what do they say? If Planning. You, you, you don't, fa- you don't uh, what, plan to fail, you fail to plan. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's that's so true in our business and, and what we do. And I know, Christian, you're like a numbers guy, right? You're like, I have my day planned out. I have everything set up. I'm at the gym. Well, you, mm-hmm. you're at the gym every now and then. <clears throat> no, he's, he's actually very <laughs> committed Instagram to Instagram shows he's at the gym, yeah. gym pretty often. <laughs> he takes a selfie yeah. at the gym. I don't know what, I don't know what else by. happens <laughs> at the gym. He's in the sauna. He just sits in the sauna. <laughs> Right, so, but it, but there's a plan, right, mm-hmm. to to everything that you do, and and a lot of us are like that, where we we're like, hey, this is the goal, this is the plan to achieve that goal. That may not be the entire vision, but you have a you have goals that you you set and so forth. So it's it's important to understand that taking action is key, and that's really what we're talking about right now. It's take action, do the things that you said you're going to do. Your word is your bond, because mm. the only one you're letting down is yourself. Yes, mm-hmm. right. Ultimately, you're, you're failing yourself. So. Uh, definitely about taking action. Anything you guys want to touch on that? About taking action? Yeah. Um, How do you push yourself to take that action when, even when you don't want to? I guess when, when you unpack things, you know, you look at the big picture, you have long-term goals, short-term goals, and, you know, your, go- your smaller goals of, you know, getting up on time, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Getting up at this time, um, you hit the gym, you do this, you have um, – you're creating an atmosphere where you are, you know, even if it was making your bed and you get up and you're doing these tasks, these small things, like leading towards getting a $50,000 payday, there was all these actions that you took that were uncompromising from making that homeowner appointment, from that follow-up, um, all of those little things that are tiny little uh, parts of leading to that deal and having that all organized even to the things that really had seemingly had nothing to do with the deal. Mm-hmm. It's how you treat everything, right? How you do the small things is how you approach the big things. Mm-hmm. So I think in uh, going through the mentorship with Melina again, well, actually, I'm sorry, I went through it with Dave twice right. and then going uh, in a different part of my life now, going through it again with Melina, all of those little steps, how you do any one little thing is how you do everything. Yeah. And that, for whatever reason, I really got that this time, this last time through the mentorship. So, like, we can't slack off on these little things. Like, if it's yeah. the time you spend with your kids or your family or your, your anything, because how you do all of those little things just completely impact every single thing that you do. It's how you approach everything. So, for me, that's that was huge for me. That was a huge shift. That's big. Yes. Big, yeah. You, there was a word that stood out for me, and I'll go to you, Christian. Is was you said uncompromising, <clears throat> right? So for me, that landed as non-negotiable, 
And we talk, you'll hear that interchangeably with us. It's non-negotiable time. And what does that look like? So go ahead, Christian. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to hit on. And from what I'm hearing from Frank too, it's, it's a conversation we have a lot around the office too. It's controlling the controllables. So there's so much that you can't control, but then there's the little things that you can control. You can control what time you wake up each morning. You can control that you go to the gym. You can control that you set out this amount of time, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday to go door knocking and you block it out and then you make it like, you know, non-negotiable where you got to do that because of your, of, of your goals. And I think, um, you know, for me, that's these last couple of weeks with moving, like it's, it's, it's shifted my, my schedule. And I <laughs> literally feel different when I don't wake up in the morning and I don't go to the gym, you know, like I feel it in my body and I know my, just the way I perform, I perform on uh, like even a little bit less than average, you know? So were you going to throw yeah. a joke in there? No, but? <laughs> <laughs> no I just remember that uh, we had something else going on. And you're like, hey, I got to bow out. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm moving, and immediately I'm like this guy, right? Yeah. But then I realized, oh, yeah, his shift, it, it just killed his schedule because it's, it's so many different things that happen, and then yeah. the, the washer thing that yeah. happened to you that day and all that yeah, stuff, dude. right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, so all that came back to mind. That's all it was. So, yeah. so And just, just plan everything out, you know? Like, for me, have something to look forward to, too. Like, this Friday... I already, I, I think I told Nathan, like, we're going to Disneyland. I'm taking the family out to Disneyland, and I want to work my, I, I won't say my, I'll say my, I want to work my butt off Monday through Thursday and then earn Friday. Yes. I earn it. I earn it. You know, I'm going to, Liam will still go to school till 11, so I'm going to work from probably 8 to 11 and then earn that day off. Awesome. So. Yeah, that reminds me real quick, Tim, I'll get to you. That reminds me of the, the time that we all went to Kabul, mm. right, and. 8 a.m., we were on the phones, mm. following up, doing everything we had to do. By noon, we were done, and then we were in the pool, mm. right, with some beverages. But <laughs> and, and we were able to manage our days that way. But we, were n- we never stopped working. Mm. We were there for a week and a half, two weeks, whatever it was. Um, so long ago. But it's, it's just that's what it takes is, is having that plan and then sticking to that plan. So, Tim, what were you going to say? I, I was going to ask Dr. Iverson um, if – Based on what both Frank and Christian just said about um, the starting the day off with little the little things that you can control, control the controllables, is there a principle? It's, it kind of seems to me like um, that consistent, almost like the consistency p- principle. Is that yeah. right there? Yeah, so uh, something Tim is referencing, uh, we've been working through with the team here together on referencing all these authors. So, <laughs> uh, Robert Cialdini is an author on influence and Tim referenced consistency, definitely. Uh, to get buy-in, consistency is a huge part. Uh, I also think it'd be cool to bring up, so Tim had a really cool experience on both of you guys' examples. Uh, it's kind of how do we take the elephant and make it digestible? right? To climb a mountain, for example, is overwhelming. But you're like, oh, I can do a quarter mile. <laughs> I can do a half mile. Mm-hmm. Then reevaluate. Sure, I'll do another half mile. And then by the end, you, you make it to the top of the mountain. Uh, Tim has a really cool example of biting down that insurmountable elephant for a homeowner into di- digestible pieces. Like, if you're open to sharing that, I think that is a cool story. Oh, um, so we were working with um, this heir and Frank actually had been working with her and had negotiated a purchase price. Everybody was happy with the purchase price. And I was just sitting with her uh, to 
get her like for us to sign documents. So that's really what we were meeting for. And I thought she was coming in. I thought she would sign the documents and we'd be in and out in 15 minutes. But in sitting with her, actually, she came in and she said, okay, I'm going to go review these. She went and sat in her car for like an hour and a half reviewing um, a four-page document. And then she came in and, and I sat with her for probably another three hours and realized that through the conversation, I realized that she was she was very fearful of signing the contract. Um, she wasn't un, unhappy with the purchase price at all. In fact, she... She was on board with everything. Every time we talked about the number, she was happy with the amount of money she was going to get the whole deal. There was something stopping her from wanting to sign. And through that process, um, one, you know, I, I took her step by step, page by page, one signature at a time, one initial at a time. And then after she signed the document, she sat there and she held it in front of her for probably 10 minutes just looking at the document and then look up at me and then look at the document, look up at me. And we sat there in silence for about 10 minutes. And then she's, I don't remember what she said, but she started talking and I, I said, well, there's only one thing left for you to do. And that's to hand me the document. That's it. Like you just got to hand me the document and then I'll put my signature on there and we're good to go. And she said, yeah, but that's the hardest part. Hmm. So we talked a little bit more and she, um, and I, and through that conversation, I said, um, do me a favor. Just go ahead and hand me the pen. So she handed me the pen. So good. And within 30 seconds of handing me the pen, she said, okay. And she handed me the top sheet of the contract. And said, <laughs> one, she said, one page at a time. Wow. And then, like, and then she kind of chuckled and said, oh, I'm just kidding. And she handed me the whole document. And we were good. And it was done. Wow. It was that little clog. Like, it was like that one little action gave her the strength to take the next step That's awesome. and the next step and the next step. And I think it's key. I mean, cause we do this to our, like, I think what is happening is um, like Frank and Christian are talking about that principle and how they do that to themselves in the morning. Yeah. yeah. They literally do that to themselves in the morning. Right. They give themselves the little steps that get them. I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to make the bed check one win for the day. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take my shower on time. I'm going to go to the gym. Check, check. Now I'm a winner. Cause I'm winning. <laughs> I'm winning every morning. The first five steps of my morning, I'm a winner, and then I can go into the rest of the day with this identity that I'm a winner. That's awesome. So, yeah. what, so I would love to hear Tim what, what strategy. How did you think to bring the pen? Like I would have never have thought about that. How, like, how did you equip this this woman then to? How did you equip her to do what she really wanted to do? How did you break up that elephant into attainable? Truth be told, I didn't. It was not intentional at all. It was just, um, you know, we sat down. I handed her the contract, and I handed her the pen to, to sign. And I, yeah. I really thought we would be 15 minutes signing these. <laughs> four hours <There's> later. <laughs> four, four pages. Sign these four pages, and, yeah. and we're going to be good to go. Um, so I didn't, like, I didn't go into the conversation thinking that. But I realized at some point in the conversation, I just realized that she was she wasn't questioning the agreement at all. Yeah. She was questioning whether she was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And it, and it, through the conversation, there was a little bit more. I mean, through the conversation, she shared that her mom had recently passed away and that mom owned the house since she was a child and she just really wanted to do right by mom. So at that point, I just kept assuring her, I also kept assuring her that 
she was doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. This, you know, you're doing this right. You're not screwing up. Everything is good. And I just kept yeah. telling her that she's doing the right thing. We, we are agreed on this price. This is where it's at. And you're doing the right thing. This is what's best for you. And, and, um, and your mom actually wanted this too. All good stuff, man. That's that's pretty awesome. And and <clears throat> so obviously there's there's a lot to this, right? So today we were talking about action and all that, but we touched a little bit on on having a plan and setting goals. And what I'd like to do is, if you're open to it, Doctor Iverson, I'd like to have come back for another one. Cool. Do another episode with you, and really let's let's kind of dive into the whole goal setting thing, what that looks like, yeah. because. You can talk about taking action all day long, but if you have no plan, yes. you're going absolutely nowhere, right? Love it. You in? I'm in. Let's you do it. You guys in? Good? I'm in. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, enjoy this. Uh, take it all in. Take some notes. Uh, be, be ready to tune in uh, to the next one, and we'll go from there. So for now, that's all of us flipping off, flipping out, flipping out of here. I'm Alina Boswell, your host of the Flippin' Off podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we'd love for you to subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends all about us. You can find more episodes of the Flippin' Off podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you like to listen to awesome podcasts like this. If you like what you've heard, we'd really appreciate it if you'd follow us on Facebook and Instagram and tell us the stories that you'd like to hear. Tim Jackson is our senior producer. Luke Jackson is our editor. Brothers. Josh Maldine is our producer. Sound design by Frequency Factory. Our executive producer is Mind and Mill. This was all created by Dave Boswell for New Wealth Advisors Club.